Hi, hello. Welcome to the Mavs Moneyball podcast. This is Josh Bo, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com. Been a bit of a hiatus over here as I've just tried to process what's been the last three weeks of hot and heavy free agency rumors. So this is it. This is our free agency preview episode. We are getting all into it. This is going to be posted on a Friday, but we're recording on Thursday night. So free agency will be when you're listening to this. On Friday, just a couple of days away, I figured no one better to bring on than, of course, the fearless Kirk Henderson. Kirk, thanks for joining me tonight. How's it going? Oh, it's, you know, Thursday's just been a day of processing feelings. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, there's, it's been a lot. I feel like the, uh, I don't know, I it's probably like this every year, but it feels a little... Feels like the action's just coming in a little bit quicker. Seems like there's just every day there's just like three or four developments that we all have to, like you said, process the feelings and emotions and recalibrate what our expectations are. But so let's just get right into it. The biggest free agency thing to do with the Mads right now is Kemba Walker. It's been pretty obvious now since about March. If you really haven't been following like the saga, Rick Bennell, the uh, Charlotte Observer beat writer for covering the Hornets, basically, I think it was in March, he basically hinted like, hey, you know, Dallas is a major threat to take Kemba out of Charlotte and lure him away. And that was ever since then, it's just been kind of progressing. And and Dallas-based reporters have confirmed it and other national reporters have confirmed it. And, you know, Mark Stein has, has said that this is the Mavs guy. At least they're the guy that they're targeting. So recently, uh, Mitch Kubchek, the GM of the Hornets, had some really like a really bizarre presser or interview at a event where he basically gave a bunch of answers that sounded like what you would say after free agency and after you lose Kemba Walker. Yeah, it was like a, it was a mid July. Like I'm really sorry about all this, but it's 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 what Cuban like it's like the kind of interview like the Cuban gives like after they didn't sign Dwight Howard. Like oh well, you know. And we, he, he pretty much admitted that the team will be better off if they didn't sign Kemba and they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. And it was just a really bizarre thing to say before free agency. Uh, so I think that got, I think that really picked everyone up. And because, you know, obviously as Mavs fans and Mavs observers, the, the first instinct is, well, they're not going to get a big fish because that's just not what Dallas does. That's not where they come. They go to the, the coasts or they go to a super team or, or something like that. But after that, I felt like there was a little bit more of an energy among us and people watching, thinking like, hey, this could happen. Like, that's a weird thing for the Charlotte GM to say. And now over the last couple of days, I feel like we've kind of gone back into the in the dumpster. Uh, Waj tweeted that Boston has emerged as the front runner. And that came only a day after a day or two after Mark Stein first reported that the Celtics are a player. And before that, we really hadn't heard much about the Celtics being interested in Kimball Walker because they've had to be juggling the Kyrie situation. But as it's been obvious that Kyrie Irving is leaving Boston, almost like a 99% guarantee that that's happening. Leaving they Charlotte. need a point guard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Boston now needs a point guard and they are going to try to get uh, Kemba to replace Kyrie. And it's been like a wacky couple of days. Uh, in terms of the Kemba rumors and, and what do the Mavs do now? So, Kirk, you talked about processing your feelings and processing your emotions. Where are you at on a Thursday night, a couple of days before free agency with the Kemba Walker stuff? 
It's really painful for me because, you know, you and I both have well-earned reputations as being kind of negative Nancy's about free agency. Well, that's largely because there's, I don't know, a forever amount of history to back us up. But I had spent, I went on the Locked On Mavs uh, podcast a couple nights ago and I was just feeling, I was feeling good. I, I had... I'd worked through my own potential problems about Kemba, you know, because I was in my head, I've been concerned about fit. But in the last two weeks, I kind of got over that crap and realized, you know, hey, maybe the Mavericks having good basketball players is going to result in good basketball. Uh, so I, I had kind of turned a corner in my own head mentally and was really kind of looking forward to the possibility and seeing, you know, this morning the string of tweets followed by a story, followed by a number of media appearances by Woj on on ESPN-affiliated platforms, just basically making the case that Boston is not only the front runner, but all, like as close to a lock as you can get in the sense that he's probably going to sign as soon as possible on Sunday evening, uh, which is, you know, that at first it's just it's really frustrating because you, know, you talk yourself into an idea and you know it still might be a little bit of a little bit of a possibility, but we've just had so much media confirmation that the Mavericks are interested, both from local and national sources, and that Kim, you know, there wasn't a ton of Kemba interest in term, in the sense that you know we were hearing things from from him or his camp, other than the fact that he was fairly disappointed with you know what seemed to be the the Charlotte internal discussion. So it's it's, it's been a bit of a gut punch, but as the days worn on, I've really kind of turned my mind to the other options. You know, there's so many, so many things out there. I, I listened to a lot of media podcasts and earlier this evening, I listened to Zach Lowe going on uh, JJ Reddick of all people's podcast on the ringer. And he essentially said that Dallas is, as far as he understands, has given up on the big star chasing and is looking to fill pieces. And if, if the Mavericks are looking to fill pieces, then I think that there's just a number of ways they can go because you know when when the team traded away Harrison Barnes and freed up the space this was really a bonus because we were all expecting to be to have to play out this you know last season and this season uh, with Harrison or something along those lines and so you know we're we're kind of putting the cart before the horse everybody's getting a little too excited just because every time we have cap space we think this is going to be that time and you know uh Mark Stein of the New York Times said something on Ben and Skin I want to say it was like Wednesday uh where he essentially said you know the Mavericks are going to hit hit a home run at some point like that that's just going to happen the odds are set you know we've whipped so many times at some point it's going to be a thing that moves in the right direction. But he, he said that Dallas fans need to prepare themselves that this is not going to be the time. And it looks like that's, that's coming forth. So understanding that, I think we're, we're kind of in a place to, to really look at what pieces fit as opposed to, you know, what's the, the home run. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's kind of been my stance. I mean, forever since they've started getting into this rat race, if you want to call it that since 2011, basically every summer I have begged and pleaded for them to give up the star chasing to do what they do best, which is sign the B and C tier free agents, uncovering some stones and and signing some talented players that have kind of gotten lost in the fray. And you look at their history and they just do a phenomenal job of taking these guys, putting them with Rick and, and getting some incredible results. You look at guys like Brandon Wright, like Seth Curry, like Al Farouk Aminu, 
on the, on the lower end in terms of guys that they basically got for free who had wonderful seasons in Dallas and, and it earned them more money elsewhere or more opportunity, at least like in Seth Curry's uh, instance. And then you look at like when they go, when they gave up, well, they didn't give up, but when they got re- rebuffed by Dwight Howard in 2012 and, uh, you know, they go and they get Jose Calderon and they get Monte Ellis and we're all kind of like, oh, are they just kind of spending their money to spend it? But then it's like, no, hey, these guys have skills that work with a Dirk that was still fully functioning. And the Mavs had some really fun and entertaining teams. You know, the the summer they got Chandler Parsons, they basically ignored most of the star chasing. I think they kind of interested, uh, took some interest in Carmelo Anthony. That was the summer he was free. But that was very short-lived, and they immediately pivoted. They traded for Tyson Chandler, and they signed Chandler Parsons to that, uh, which at the time was felt like a coup before he got hurt. And it, it feels like whenever the Mavericks do not don't focus on the star chasing, they seem to get really good results. Because you know, I've always said Donnie is a really has a really good eye for talent. Donnie Nelson, the GM, and I think when they get out of their own way and they kind of focus on their strengths. They put together some fun teams and they can get some good players and, and they've got a track, you know, as much as they have a track record for not getting the stars, they have a track record for getting the guys below that level at the next tier or the third tier. And the greatest thing about that this summer is that's what they kind of need. They've got the two stars. They got Luca, they've got Kristaps Porzingis, you know, this isn't, when Dirk is 33, 34, 35, and, and that's all he has, and, and you're thinking, oh, God, we got to find a big name because we need to transition to the next era without having to tank, you know, that pressure's gone now. They've got their foundation for the next four, five, six, seven, hopefully eight years. Now you just got to put the guys around them. And yes, of course, we would like stars, get as many stars as you can. And, you know, you're not going to turn one away. But when it's obvious that it's not working out and it's not something that you're good at and it's and the signals are pointing in one direction, pivot into what you're good at. You know, look at guys like Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, uh, Bogdanovich from Indiana, maybe not these guys that are headliners, but guys that are good, that will fit what you want to do that will fit around Luca and KP and they will definitely help you in games. And I want to say something about like the Kemba stuff real quick. You know, you talked about Waj saying that Kemba could maybe make his decision with the Celtics as early as like Sunday evening. The one thing I am plead, I'm pleading. I am on my hands and knees. I am begging the Mavericks when free agency starts on Sunday evening, you know, six o'clock Eastern time, I do not want the Mavericks to even hint or sniff around Kemba. Like the Kemba thing to me, it's dead. Like the noise that is pointing toward Boston, the Lakers have cap space now. So even if he doesn't pick Boston, you know, why would he pick Dallas over LA if LA is throwing him a max offer sheet? And the thing that's been hard for a lot of us to, and even me at times to understand is that NBA players don't think like us. You know, Kemba is not getting on synergy and looking at, Lucas passing numbers. You know, he's not getting on NBA.com stats page and looking at what uh, KP does shooting off of screens. You know, he's looking at, hey, the Mavericks won 33 games last year. Their two stars are guys that have not been in the playoffs and that haven't been part of winning teams yet. And he looks at the Celtics and they've, even without Kyrie and Horford, that's they've got four or five guys that have been in playoff series, hit big playoff shots, won playoff games, 
And if you're a 29-year-old All-NBA guard that has never won a playoff series and you're leaving the only team you've ever known because you want to win right away, you know, you have to think about it from his level. You know, he's not thinking about, you know, the Luka and KP, like how great they are. You know, he's thinking those are two young guys that I don't know if we're going to win right away because we're in the heart of Western Conference. Let me go to Boston where I know I they got the skins on the wall. Even if we know and we disagree, we say, no, Boston's not as good. Luka and KP are the future. Even if we know, I don't, you know, NBA players don't always know. They don't always pick the thing that we obsess over and we pour over stats over because they have different priorities and they think differently than we do. So if I'm the Mavs, before, you know, I know I'm going on a long range here. Don't even take the meeting. Everyone's making fun of me about how much I hate meetings, and I do. <laughs> Fuck meetings. Don't take a meeting. Tell Kemba, don't tell him this, but figuratively be like, hey, fuck off. We don't, they don't need Kemba anymore. They don't need the big star. They don't need to find someone to take over for an aging Dirk and transition to the next era. They got him. They got Chris Stops in February. They got Luca in June of last year. They got those guys. They don't need Kemba. Would he be great? Yes. Would he help them win a lot of games quicker? Absolutely. You know, would I love to see him sign with the Mavericks? Sure. But what, the signs aren't pointing there. You know, focus what you're good at. Don't You don't need Kemba. You know, you can get really good players that fit your style of play, that fit next to KP and Luka without having to go through the dog and pony show of taking a meeting or taking a call or having to pitch or having to wait a couple of days. No, you don't need Kemba. Like, Go get the guys that you know you can get that are good players and start building your team around your two super your two superstars in waiting. Like that's just how you know. I, before I would I could kind of understand it because they didn't have any. You know, it was an aging Dirk and a culture and Rick Carlisle, which is really hard to sell and it's really hard to transition that into the next era. Like they kind of needed a guy like that. They don't need that anymore. They got they got their foundation. You know, Kemba would be a bonus. Like he's not necessarily the final missing piece. He's just another really good player, a really really good player. But the Mavericks have two of those that are under the age of twenty five. Well, you know, let's get some role players around them. Let's start building. You know, something that is real that they can grab, and not something that's kind of like in a fairy t- fairyland. Uh, but. That's. I think that's all I got about the Kemba thing. It's just been really b- bugging me, well, as you can at, tell. We're at nearly so, fifteen like, minutes, and you just call and I'm you so just call sorry. and cowherded. I'm I'm impressed. You talked to yourself for like <laughs> it's, six minutes. It's been bugging me, man, and I know it's that fine. you would, you would appreciate it at I least. Would. <laughs> well, okay. So so let's pivot a little bit. Okay. I, I want to pivot to 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 other people, but I want to pivot to other people other potential free agents based on an idea that I've had rattling around in my head since the year ended. Now I I didn't write on this because I didn't want to get dunked on by the internet. So I figure let's talk about it. Let's, let's kind of work this out a little bit. And here's what the idea was by the time before the season ended, I pitched the concept that the Dallas Mavericks were the formation of WCW's NWO. (laughs) <laughs> now, what I meant with that was Dirk was Hulk, Hollywood Hulk Hogan, Luka Doncic was um, Scott Hall, uh, Razor Ramon for you super old wrestling heads, and Chris Tapps Porzingis was uh, Kevin Nash. And that was really the idea that was just rattling around in my head, that it was this kind of weird, weird formation of guys who probably shouldn't have gotten together, but it worked out in a way that'd be really entertaining. Uh, Dirk screwed that up uh, by retiring. 
How which, dare he? which is his right. So in that frame, I just went in my head. I just switched out Dirk for Mark Cuban because Cuban's another person who's too old to be doing what he's doing sometimes. Uh, and really has that Hollywood Hulk Hogan beard every now and again, like the kind of salt and peppery thing. But here's really what I meant by that. So if, if the, the Mavericks are, are starting something new and they're building something up, they need to assemble a team that works around it. So if we can move past the superstar, which you effectively have by saying, you know, Kemba Walker's out of uh, contention, then who are the pieces that fit? Who are the additional members of the NWO that really fit? And, you know, what we saw earlier today, uh, Tim McMahon reporting that that uh, uh, fellow Bill Duffy client, uh, Patrick Beverly, is going to be really seeking out a multi-year deal worth a great deal of money. Was it worth, was it three for 40? Is that what the? Three for 40 range. So that's what it's a lot, but it's, it's also, this is what happens when there's a ton of money on the market and not enough players to really fill. And then, you know, the, the fact that what Dallas is building towards, and we just don't talk about this enough, the Mavericks want to use all of that cap space so they can then sign Chris Stapps Porzingis to go over the cap, then receive another uh, uh, ex- – it's an exception deal to go even further over the cap. They they want to sign good players. This is, is kind of under-discussed as we're talking about, uh, you know, the quality of free agents. So there's just a lot of guys out there. And I think that that we really, you know, now that we've we've pivoted away from the star chasing, at least I think we have, uh, that Dallas could get some guys, you know, to really build out a rotation. As much as our our fan base loves Maxi Kleba and loves JJ Brea, well, actually, most of them don't love JJ. But uh, you know, just that 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 back end of the Mavs rotation, as much as, as, as we like those guys, a lot of those guys might not be NBA players. I, I don't know how to say that any other way. Um, and, and so that that's really where we are right now, where the Mavericks can toss some interesting contracts, some tradable contracts, uh, and build out their roster and, and really see if they can field a competitive team. So, so who do you think are, are, are kind of the best fits for them uh, and then who do you think uh, they think are the best fits for them? Okay, before I get into that, I want to talk – I want to add a little bit to your NWO analogy. Um, okay, so you had Cuban as Hogan. I, I'm wondering what if Cuban is Eric Bischoff? Is, Ooh, yeah, the mastermind. I feel Ooh. like they've got like a lot of similar energy going on, like prime Eric, NWO Eric Bischoff and, and Mark Cuban. That's – I don't know. Oh, yeah. I thought. He also got he also got hired by the WWE today. I saw um, that, and I, I wondered what where we were. So I just figured that would be a great idea to talk about. No, you're right, you're right. I think that's that's kind of a good fit. Um, you know, I do think the Mavericks need some veterans, but really, where I was, I you know, they're they're to fill out this analogy. Like I do think they need kind of the older, bigger guy. You know, there, there's there's just so many ways they can go. And, you know, the, the space is, is really enticing. I think that the thing that happens between the end of the season, the, or the end of the regular season, then the end of the playoffs, and then the start of free agency, is we all have way too much time to think about this. You know, uh, the, my stupid, you know, NWO analogy, you know, kind of being case in point. And I think that we forget, and, and collectively, 
that the Mavericks can be quite good at this. You talked about this a little bit. So I, I as we head into this, like I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm not yet like inconsolable. There's just so many things that could happen between like today and, and, you know, Wednesday, you know, roughly six or seven days from now. Yeah. I think um, no surprise for me, you know, you already mentioned it, but like Patrick Beverly is like the guy I'm absolutely a hundred percent locked in on. And it's really hard to have a discussion about him sometimes because you know, I get people that tweet at me like, really, you want to pin the whole offseason on a guy that averages seven or eight points a game and gets a couple of rebounds and a couple of assists. And it's like it's which is not it's not an unfair right. criticism. Like, I, I can understand. Right. That. Yeah. And it's but it's hard to kind of move past that, because like you said, it is a fair criticism, but it's like he's been a he's a 38 percent shooter from three for his whole career you know not on like a puny amount of attempts like he is a proven shooter like he's not a guy you know he's not one of those good shooters where he only takes like two attempts a game and and teams kind of ignore him and he kind of gums up your offense even though like his percentages are good like he takes enough threes to be a very valuable shooter and he's been damn near close to 40 percent over the last you know three or four years and then, of course, the defense, which uh, is kind of like a perk for me, like a bonus, because to be quite honest, I'm not really thinking about defense too much. When I wrote that piece a couple of weeks ago that talked about how top 10 offenses and top 10 defenses are doing in the playoffs and, and how many of those get into the playoffs. And it's definitely skewed towards if you have a top 10 offense, your chances are significantly better to get in and to win a playoff series. And if you have a great defense, so you know, ever since I kind of did that research, I've just really haven't thought about defense that much. But hey, you know, Beverly can shoot. He can move the ball. He doesn't have to be the primary option because you got Luca. And then, you know, as a bonus, he can guard the hell out of ones and twos and he'll try to guard threes and be an absolute pest and, you know, kind of give the team maybe a little bit of an edge that they need. Uh, kind of Luca and Kristaps kind of remind me a little bit of, you know, early Dirk and they kind of need their Nick Van Exel or, you know, Michael Finley, you know, they kind of need another guy that can get rough a little bit. Uh, so he's definitely the guy. And especially like when you look at what they need, you know, they, I feel like they need two backcourt guys. You know, I love Jalen Brunson, but I don't think he's a starter yet. And then I just don't think Tim Hardaway Jr. can be a starter level player in the NBA anymore because he just he, he's got to hit some shots and. Uh, he hasn't really done that for his whole career, even though he's got like the reputation as being a shooter. So I'd really love for them to get two starters at the one and the two to go around with Luca and Beverly fits as the one uh, fits as that complimentary guy. The other, the other parts are a little bit more fuzzy. Like I'm really locked into Beverly, but after that, like you said, there's a lot of guys. I just don't, I'm, I am not as locked in. There's Danny green, who, which who knows what Toronto is going to do. They kind of have to wait on Kawhi. Can you go in and get a Danny Green and steal him from Toronto while Toronto is waiting to have a meeting with Kawhi? Like maybe you go that route. Uh, Bogdanovich from Indiana I think would be a really nice fit in terms of just juicing up this offense and let's score. Let's beat teams 128 to 125. And who gives a damn how many points the Mavericks give up? Let's just give Luka as many outlets as possible. I like Terrence Ross from the Magic. He had a really solid year. They made the playoffs. He could be like a nice bench guy or maybe a guy that could start, you know, at the two. Uh, I really like, I think my sleeper kind of guy is I really like Jeremy Lamb. I think he's had a good couple of seasons in Charlotte. Oh, 
No, no, no. He's not that bad. He had a good no, year. He has one good month, and it makes everything else look right. <laughs> I think he's if like, he was better, they'd be better. That's that's true, but he might be better if they don't need him to be the second or third best player. And if he is your third, fourth, fifth best player, you know, that might be a little bit better for him. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> it's kind of those kind of guys. And, you know, though that's not sexy. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's not Kemba. It's not Jimmy Butler, but I like those guys and how they fit. Uh, Thaddeus Young, I think is if they really want another bit, if they don't want to start Dwight Powell, uh, I think he would be a nice, fit in terms of helping them on rebounds and defense uh, in the front court and keep Luca uh, maybe out of the paint and, and not have to rely on Luca to be your second best or maybe even your best rebounder, depending on how things shake out this year, you know, because Kristaps probably needs a little bit of help there on the boards. Um, and I could keep going. Reggie Bullock, he would be a nice kind of cheaper option after they've maybe gotten a Beverly and a Bogdanovich. Um had a nice nice little 3 and D guard year uh last year. So that's kind of what I'm that's kind of what I'm looking at like those kind of guys uh, you know the big question I think there's two names that I think are below like the Kemba Jimmy Butler tier that I want to get your opinion on and you yeah. can also give your opinion on maybe some of those other smaller names that I that I popped out but I feel like the two interesting names that the, are attainable but are still ri- riskier than maybe given Patrick Beverly that three-year $40 million contract at Sunday at 5.01 Central Time, which they absolutely could. But D'Angelo Russell, Malcolm Brogdon, two restricted guys, two guys that are very different players, but I think would give the Mavs some – both give the Mavs an element that they need. But both are restricted, so you have to wait. And both seem to have a price that will be – make them attainable so that they're not – it's not a complete lost cause in terms of throwing that offer sheet out there and not, you know, not getting anything back. So what do you think about those two guys? Cause they're guards. They both give something the Mavs need in different ways, but they're very risky and it doesn't seem like the Mavs want to really risk waiting all that time uh, on those kind of contracts. Well, okay. So the first one is D'Angelo Russell. And I think the thing with him, it will be really interesting to see what happens with the Nets because depending on the way things go, I think that Kevin Durant is a real possibility to sign there. And if Kevin Durant signs there, he'll sign there first. So it doesn't look like he is following Kyrie Irving. Then Kyrie Irving will sign there, which means the Nets will have to uh, move away from all those cap holds, including the restricted free agency status of uh, D'Angelo Russell. I, I don't like him at the price. Uh, I, I, I can't remember the specific statistic, but he has two of the top 250 usage seasons of all time uh, since we've really, I mean, all time's kind of harsh, but since we've been able to like keep track of these statistics. And he has two of the worst three free throw rates for anybody at that usage level, meaning he takes lots of mid-range jumpers, contested ones. He's terrible near the rim, uh, and he makes up for it by being pretty good outside. Now, the argument counter to that is if he were to play in, with the Mavericks, that sort of stuff really wouldn't matter because he's going to be getting the ball in different situations where he's not the primary ball handler. Okay, I can hear that, but it's just kind of an, it's an interesting uh, situation to spend that much money. 
Now with Brogdon, I have so so Zach Lowe said this evening, and it's it's Thursday night. He said today, I'm pretty sure that from what uh, today being Thursday, that from what he understands, he wasn't reporting. He was mainly just just talking. From what he has been able to understand, is that the Milwaukee Bucks have a walkaway figure with him, and they're fairly scared about who or what that number could be. Uh, the Brian Windhorst of, of ESPN is, is convinced that, that the Bulls are going to pitch him a fairly large offer. Uh, as far as a fallback option, I think the Mavericks could do a heck of a lot worse. In fact, I know a lot of our, our fans really, really like him. I think the, the scary part for Dallas is what you've talked about, where you can really stretch out that uh, offer sheet uh, and, and make it go from like three days to five days to seven days in a hurry by doing different things. And I don't know if Dallas is really that interested in, in waiting, despite how interesting the fit might be. Um, the other kind of guys I'm interested in, is, which is what you asked me earlier, is, is you know, I, 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 I'm not interested in Julius Randle. I'm sorry to our fan base who is. Uh, you don't watch basketball and you don't know that he is terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that you like his stats as he comes up against the Mavericks, but give me a guy like Brooke Lopez every time who shoots the three and plays basketball in the team sense. Uh, you know, that that's kind of where my head is with these sorts of things. You know, I, I, th- I think if the Mavericks were interested in, in saving their cap space for 2021, they could offer another, like they could offer uh, JJ Redick a big deal if they were interested. I don't understand the lack of chatter on, on Bogdanovich. Um, Maybe the Mavericks are kind of concerned about having, you know, what what it would look like if they were a team of Euros. Uh, I I really like Thomas Sedoransky, who was a Wizards player this year. He strikes me as a guy who could give the Mavericks a lot for a little. Um, that's that's really you know kind of where my where my head is right now. You know, I see you know on free agency lists you have like you know Darren Collison, he's not coming back here. Willie Cauley Stein, you know, I I don't want him to play for the Mavericks. Uh, I've I've made repeated Harrison Barnes jokes just to upset people. Uh, Nikola Mirotic is someone who has been tied recently to Dallas in a number of smaller reports. I don't understand that one. He continues to not come up in situations that matter. So I don't know why Dallas would want a guy like that. Um, you know, that's that's just. I'm sure there are other people. I. I I'm mainly interested to see where they go with, with, you know, their first initial splash because, you know, you guys killed me today because I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, the, what's the Rockets forward? Um, Tucker. I really like PJ Tucker just cause I've been kind of obsessed with him since he was in college. He's, you know, everyone kills me online for saying that the Mavericks should consider giving up a 2025 pick if the Rockets are serious about going for Jimmy Butler, but he's really kind of that, platonic ideal of what Dallas is looking for in a three and D wing because he plays defense. He's excellent from the corners. His problem is that he's old. Well, if we're on kind of a two year window to see what the team can do in a shorter span of time, why not? But I do understand that a first round draft pick, you know, is really a lot to give up. And as much as you and I get frustrated with Dallas, that they don't really seem to care about the draft. We, we should want them to have picks 
so that we can complain about their not caring about the draft. <laughs> like I would much <laughs> rather them be able to take the shot than trade it away for, you know, a current asset down the road. So that's kind of where I am with this today. Yeah. I like Tuck. I think I like Tucker a lot. Yeah. I think where it comes down to me is just giving Houston a first round pick and helping them get Jimmy Butler. Uh, that, that would hurt a little bit, although it would be fun, funny to see who would strangle each other first with Chris Paul and Jimmy Butler in the same locker room. But, um, yeah, I think just with Tucker, I feel like there might be some options available. You know, Beverly, Danny Green. Oh man, maybe like uh, uh, maybe like a Damari Carroll. You know, not as good as uh, Tucker in terms of being like the ideal three and D wing, but not having to give up a first rounder for him. I think that's kind of where I that that's kind of where it gets iffy to me. Um, but yeah, you know. Willie Colley Stein is funny that you mentioned him because I obviously have some weird obsession with underperforming, disappointing uh, Kentucky big men lottery picks. <laughs> uh, he's I was so obsessed with the with him in that year that he got drafted, and uh, yeah, he's just kind of a guy that kind of floats. And and judging by our Kings friends that talk about him, uh, I, yeah, I don't think that's where the Mavericks really need to spend their money. Let's talk about a big name and a big rumor that has kind of fizzled out. So I don't know if we need to spend too much time on it real quick. But Al Horford, uh, for some reason, got it seems like every national guy is saying Mavs, Mavs, Mavs. And then every Mavs reporter is going, no, it's it's not the Mavs. I keep checking and it's not them. And then the national guys keep saying, oh, Mavs, it's the Mavs. And so that's been really interesting. Uh, and what's been really interesting is that no other team has really come out. Like these national guys are saying Mavs and the, and the Dallas based guys are saying no, but there hasn't really been a bunch of teams mentioned in lieu of the Mavs. You know, I think basically the Clippers is the only other team I've really heard mentioned as maybe a suitor or maybe the, the mystery team that is ready to give Al Horford a four year, hundred plus million dollar deal. Uh, that's been kind of a split reaction. Well, not a split reaction. I think the, the fan base has been pretty down on getting someone like Al Horford and, for me, it's it's about, yes, spending money on a center when you have Kristaps Porzingis might not be the most efficient use of your resources, but when it's a guy like Al Horford who can play defense and pass and shoot and is totally okay with being kind of a third wheel because he's basically kind of did that at points in his Boston career, you know, not a guy that needs the ball every time, you know, can set screens, can roll, can pop. You know, kind of is a glue, kind of like a do it all, jack of all trades. Maybe he's not a master of any, but if he's your third guy, like you don't really need him to be a guy that, you know, scores 20 points or gets 12 rebounds every night. And his presence in the locker room, I think, would be underrated because I've written about this before and I've told this story, you know, when I was at Dirk's last home game and Rick Carl at the end of the game said, uh, you know, when he was coaching in Indiana, he was there when Reggie Miller retired. And he said when Reggie retired, they had two down years, even though he said those were two super talented teams that he still had. And, you know, it matters. Like, we can't quantify what Dirk leaving and, you know, his presence in the locker room not being there anymore. We can't – there's nothing we can point to on a, on a stat page or a stat sheet or a box score that says, like, here, this is what's going to happen because Dirk's left, you know. But it, it matters, you know. There needs to be a presence. You know, Luca's 20. Kristaps is turning, just turned 24, I believe. You know, I can understand the Mavs not wanting to put the weight of the franchise on those guys' shoulders as they are still growing as basketball players, as good as they both already are. 
and there needs to be kind of a, a veteran voice with skins on the wall that can kind of maybe set the example because, you know, Dirk's not here to do it anymore. And I think that's an underrated aspect to what Horford would bring. And I think he would just, you know, people worry about what are you going to do with two bigs, you know, at Horford's, you know, 6'10", 6'11", Chris up 7'3". You know, teams are going small. Everyone's small. And that's true, but how many times are the Mavs going to run into like an equivalent of the Warriors death lineup over 82 games? Like as much as we talk about what the Warriors have done to change the game, and they certainly have, I'm not trying to take away from that, but it's not like every team in the NBA has some supercharged five out lineup that they can go to and run everyone off the floor. They're all trying to find those guys, but they're hard to find and not everyone has a lineup like that. And I absolutely think over the course of a regular season where teams aren't scouting as hard and and it's just, you're just trying to get through it sometimes that the talent of just the a front court of Kristaps, Horford and Luca, which absolutely blows some unprepared teams out of the water. And even some of the good teams, just because of how good Horford is and how smart of a player he is. So that's kind of where I am with him, but I think the Horford stuff has kind of died down. I really haven't heard much over the last couple of days, so that might just fizzle out and might not even matter. You know, I'm really not sure about that because some uh, – God, who was it? It was a, one of my Twitter followers pointed out to me, uh, I want to say it was Blake Weir earlier this evening, that part of why Kemba to Boston is a likelihood is because Al Horford opted out and freed up that cap space for them. So it's a bit of a domino effect. Horford opted out and thinks he has money somewhere. That isn't made up. Like, he's going to get something somewhere. Now, it might not be what was earlier reported, and, you know, there's still probably plenty of options out there for him. I've seen him connected to New Orleans and, weirdly, like Sacramento, but that doesn't seem to fit. You know, I, I do think he signs somewhere and probably makes a good deal of money for a lot of what you're talking about. I am intoxicated by the idea of Hortford on paper because Kristaps Porzingis is a knucklehead. I, I, you know, we probably shouldn't be saying these things. It's not really nice. But, you know, I, I am a m- mostly unpaid pseudo media personality. Between the things that happened to him before he left New York and the thing that happened to him in Latvia this summer, he has shown himself to be a, tw- a man in his mid-20s. Uh, you and I are, are both old now and can speak to the fact that being in your 20s is difficult. I can't imagine what it's like being in your 20s and being enormous and being rich. You know, the, the, the opportunity to make bad decisions is everywhere, and that's why it's, it's, you know, it's a little you know, it's a little sad that Dirk was so injured that he wasn't able to come back one more year because I don't think he was really able to to mentor much of anybody. I think he spent most of his time trying to get ready for games. Uh, Doncic doesn't necessarily need the mentoring, but I think, you know, having somebody like Horford there who has seen a lot and maybe most importantly in terms of things on the floor, he understands defense. You know, he's a very good defensive player, But one of the things that we watched and laughed at for the last two years was first, Dennis Smith not knowing where to go ever. The second was Luka getting beat by slow and bad players, which happened a lot more than we really talked about because he's so good on offense. Having somebody like Horford there to simply show, tell, and occasionally push him to where he needs to be is very important. And I think the kind of lesson that Luka could really stand to learn now, is it worth as much money as as the contract? I'm really not sure. 
But, you know, one of the reasons I think Kemba is not super interested in Dallas is because he'd be a third banana uh, or second banana. Either way, he, he wouldn't be the primary option anymore. But someone like Al Horford would really fit is because his 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 uh, statistical contributions would be uh, a bonus, really, because you'd be flowing your offense through Luca and KP and everything after that would be would be gravy. And so that, you know, that's kind of where I am with him. I, I, I agree with you that I, I think because it's gone quiet, I don't think it's likely. But if it did happen, it would be super interesting for a lot of reasons. Um, I think the Mavericks could get away with it, at least in the short run, because investing, I would look at, you know, what's happening with Luca, like the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Patrick Mahomes, where if you have a really amazing rookie quarterback that allows you to overspend in areas you never would otherwise. And, and, you know, sinking something like 70, you know, 70 million in your front court would be, you know, make everyone a little bit uncomfortable, but maybe it might work out. You know, I, I do think Horford would at least make them like a playoff threat to get it, you know, in that, you know, nine through six seed range. Yeah. And then, you know, the, maybe the concerns are a little overblown because, you know, halfway through his deal, the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract is up, which presumably frees up some money before you need to start thinking about the Luca extension and maybe you can time it to where you can maybe bring in another piece, another big time role player, or, you know, spread that out among two guys before you're locked into Luca and KP both at their max deals. Uh, and then, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, do you want to pay, you know, 25 million, $30 million a 37 year old, Howell Orford. And it's like, Dude, that's that's what it takes. Like you can't you can't get great players or good players on like the perfect deal. Like if you want to get good guys to leave their teams to come to your team, you, there's a little bit of a tax. Like there was a tax to get Christos mm-hmm. Porzingis. They had to take Tim Hardaway Jr. The tax for getting what I would assume are two still very good years of Al Horford is the potential of two bad years, and that's just kind of what you have to do. And good front offices are able to compensate for those. And, you know, those less desirable portions of the contract and they're able to pivot and they're able to create the room that they need to create because gosh, John at Kirk, it seems like every time we talk about trying to create room when a team doesn't have room and they want to get a guy, it just always seems to happen, doesn't it? You know, the Lakers got room, uh, the Rockets have no cap room forever, yet they are operating under the belief that they can get Jimmy Butler. Uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Zach Lowe was talking about, they really want D'Angelo Russell. They have no cap room. I bet you if they really wanted to, they you know they will find a way. So I'm not super concerned about paying Al Horford $25 million when he's 37 years old because the Mavericks, I think, have proven that they're pretty adept and they're pretty flexible and they are pretty creative. And I think that they would find ways to compensate for that, whether that is using the space from the Tim Hardaway Jr. deal, whether it's making some trades, you know, that's that's just not the part that concerns me. You know, you gotta pay, you gotta pay to get good players. You know, you can't get Al Horford for two years or three years or for under twenty million dollars or whatever because that's someone else will do it because good players are hard to come by and people will pay for them. Yeah, and and I, I think that really we we all need to kind of fall back to the the notion and and you know I, we all do do this. This is I. I want to give credit to our fan base to a certain extent that when you have Luca and Porzingis, that's a base that you can build from. And even if things don't work out in a way this summer, because free agents aren't interested in, you know, joining a younger and really unaccomplished team, 
that doesn't mean that that can't change overnight. And I think we need to, you know, really hearken back to, to what the front office has managed to do the last 18 months and give them a little bit of credit. I think that if Dallas, you know, if, if whatever is going to happen over the next few days, I am going to be pleased with the contracts. I'm not going to worry about overpaying because I'm personally of the belief that anything from the seven to like 12 to $13 million range is an extremely tradable contract, regardless of the years, because that's really, you know, what you're talking about is like the nine to 12% of the cap. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what gets things done. You know, part of why the Mavericks had to, you know, I, I still just, I don't know what's true and what's not, but if I'm remembering correctly from draft night, the Mavericks had the chance to accept an Atlanta player and chose not to do it and instead flipped over one of the draft picks. I don't know if that was one of the final deals, but I, I, I kind of disagree with that. But, you know, Dallas again showed with Porzingis that even though they didn't have necessarily the contracts to trade, that they were willing to give up the picks. And so there's just a lot that teams can do if they have the assets. So it's, I don't know, I, I really think we're in a pretty good place. It's, it's going to be, I'm going to try to stay offline. It's going to be impossible, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that by like, you know, July 10th or so, we're all going to be pretty pleased. Yeah. And I think it's really just, if they have it to me, it's just, if they have the focus, if they can, you know, even if Kemba decides Sunday at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, I don't want the Mavericks waiting. I don't even want them waiting that long. Like, you know, I think if they kind of have their – I mean, you know they have their list. You know they have the guys that they want after Kemba. If they can not let the star chasing interrupt whatever they want to do, you're absolutely right. They're, they're in such a good spot. You know, there's almost nothing they could do to really have a bad summer because – Luca and Kristaps are so flexible. Like, it's just really nuts to think. Like, they have basically a seven foot three Clay Thompson that blocks shots. And then next to him, they have the, you know, the best playmaking young prospect since LeBron James, basically, in terms of a wing that can pass and create offense and score. Like, it's nuts. Like, those having, having your point guard basically be six, eight and can score from any part of the floor, having your center or your big be someone who can protect the rim and shoot threes at a high volume at, you know, 30, you know, 39, 40%. Like how many teams there's not, that is a short list of teams. I don't know if there's any team that can say that they've got two guys that can do that necessarily. You know, we keep trying to think about, you know, the, you know, that's why he's called the unicorn. There's just not a lot of bigs. There are some bigs that can shoot. Certainly. And there are obviously bigs that can protect the rim, but the combination is it's still unheard of as much as the, you know, the game is opening up and five out basketball is becoming more commonplace. Like it is still, you know, Joel Embiid is, you know, obviously MVP caliber player. He is not even close to the shooter that Kristaps is. And, you know, I would say Kristaps is not, you know, maybe in the range as a defender, but in terms of like an archetype and like he's a rim protector, he could still block shots. Like, it's just you have to pinch yourself when you consider what the Mavericks have as a foundation and it makes it almost impossible. There's almost no one they could sign that would be a bad fit because Luca and KP are so flexible. That's a pretty good take. I, I, I think that's probably the, the takeaway that, that anyone who is thinking about free agency needs to consider because that's, that's, 
there's really not a better way to phrase it. All right. So before I know we're about 47 minutes in, uh, I don't want to go on too long, but let's, are there any more guys that you're thinking about? There's one more uh, Max guy that we haven't talked about. I know he said, don't think about the Max guys, but his name hasn't really been floated around a lot. Well, it has been, but just compared to Kemba and Kawhi and some of these other guys, but Tobias Harris, um, as the Sixers are trying to figure out what they're going to do with Jimmy Butler, it feels like maybe there is some potential for a team to come in and, and get Tobias away from the Sixers while the Sixers are trying to figure out their Jimmy Butler situation, perhaps. Um, it would be hilarious if the Mavericks basically signed like the A A minus version of like Harrison Barnes uh, or like the Harrison Barnes that you know, the Mavericks were envisioning basically. Cause I think that's kind of what Tobias Harris is. He's like the version of Barnes that like in our heads, we were like, Oh, this is him when he's doing all the things that we think he can do, you know, like rebound and shoot efficiently and not gunk up, gunk up the offense. Um, that would be interesting. You know, I, I don't know the fit would be okay on offense, obviously, you know, he just played in this with the Sixers and, and had to deal with, playing behind Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid. So he's certainly used to maybe not getting as many touches as he might want. So we'll see there, but I don't know. That'd be interesting. I wouldn't hate that, but it would, it would just be really funny that they would basically trade away Harrison Barnes to sign the player that they wanted Harrison Barnes to be basically. I don't know how to feel about him. I mean, I'm looking, I've looked at his statistics a number of times after being so so this year with the clippers he shot 43% from three three point range you know which was basically four and a half shots a game and he made two when he was traded to the 76ers a place where you would think he would get better quality shots he hit 32% or 32.6% of his threes on five shots a game and I just, I don't know. It terrifies me. The Clippers didn't, the Clippers, you know, arguably got better after he left. Like, that's that's just not good. And it just, I get extreme Harrison Barnes vibes, but a player who seems to kind of understand how basketball works now a little bit more. Uh, uh, Harris is on record about talking that he'd like to play at a place that fits his style. He enjoys ball movement. So there's an argument to be made that Dallas would be an interesting home for him. I'm just not sure that that he's – I just don't know how good he is. His statistical workup doesn't make any sense. It's it's just all over the map. I I don't know. I, I'd, I suppose he'd be a fallback option, but if the Mavericks were to pursue him, I would not be thrilled. Yeah, I can understand that. And, you know, he hasn't really played – uh, you know, this, the Sixers were the first, well, I believe was one of the few times he's played in the playoffs. I don't think he's really been in the playoffs that much. And that's kind of when you really learn about guys is when they play in the playoffs. He's been two times. He was once in Detroit in 2016 and then Philly last this season. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the shooting in Philly was weird because he has been a great shooter from three, basically the last four or five seasons, you know, right around 40 or above 40. Um, at least the last two or three seasons for sure. Uh, he's really turned himself into a good three-point shooter. But, yeah, you know, you see what he did in Philly, and it wasn't always the most inspiring uh, when he got over there. You wonder, do the Mavericks really want to put more money into that? Um, I, I wouldn't be against it. it. But it's also like 
I'm not so in love with Tobias Harris that I would want the Mavericks, like I said, with Kemba, like I don't want them to put the resources into that when they can find guys that can maybe not do everything he can do in terms of a complete package, but they can spread it around with guys like Beverly for shooting and, and defense and then maybe get a Bogdanovich for some more size on the wing, you know, things like that. Like uh, I would much rather than pursue maybe more attainable guys like I said, I'm just not in. I'm not into them chasing Max guys. I've never been, but I feel like I'm more against it this year because the Mavericks have basically two Max guys. You know, they're not paid like it yet. You know, Kristaps will be and Luca will be in a couple. You know, three or four years, but you know they got those guys already. Let's you know see what they can build around them, uh, and then you know once if you can put some role good role players around them like Beverly. I'm going to keep saying Beverly. I'm going to say Beverly's name like a hundred times tonight. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, you put guys around him like that and they make, maybe they make a run and they get the eighth, seventh, sixth seed. And you see what Luca and KP can do in the playoffs. And if they show out, that's when guys like Kemba and those kind of guys, that's, that's when you'll be seeing Waj tweet that the Mavericks are front runners for these kind of guys, because that's when the, M- the NBA stars take notice because I really don't think 28, 29-year-old all-NBA caliber players really want to – this might sound harsh, but they don't. I don't know if they want to babysit right now, which is very harsh. And like, like I said, it's not necessarily the truth, but it's kind of what they believe. Uh, I've said on Twitter, and I think I've written and talked about it a long time, like remember when the Mavericks were going after Darren Williams – and like it felt like the thing that swung Darren Williams was the Nets traded for Joe Johnson like right before – free agency and it was like man joe johnson swung you from a dirk like a, a all still all-star capable just recent title winning dirk Nowitzki, and it's like yeah because they think dirk's old. you know they got the impression that dirk's old you know that's kind of what dwight howard probably saw uh you know when he saw james harden who was young and just made the playoffs and just scored a bunch of points and that's just kind of how these nba guys think they're not as into the weeds with some of this stuff as we are so even if we are right and we're always right. We're, we're never wrong. But, you know, that's just not how they think. So any Max guy, I'm just I'm just not into. I think they can, you know, like we've both of us have said, when they focus on the smaller tier guys, man, they, they get good results. And it's been consistent, as consistent as they are failing at star chasing. They're consistent at getting these kind of secondary players that fit what Carlisle wants to do. And that's, that's what I want. I don't know. Are there any other... I feel like I'm a broken record now. Are there any other names uh, that you you can think of? You know, Alfred Camino, Thaddeus Young, Marcus Morris. I'm just kind of going the bottom of the barrel with some of these. I'm players. sure one of them is going to end up a Maverick. But the last thing before we go, I want you to say with me. Okay. You have said Waj bomb like nine times and the people are going to kill you. It's Woj. Oh, my gosh. You're right. That's You're like my that. that's my brain. I will it's never okay. I will never say it the right way, you know? That's okay. Just I'm just sorry. know if you've made it this far into the podcast, people, he knows. I know. And I'll never learn. I'm sorry. I'll try. <laughs> I can't promise anything. But is there any anything else is bef- besides my mispronunciation of of MPA writers? Is there's no no other players you want to touch on? None. I'm None. I you know, let's just let's just get there at this point. That's true. So free agency begins. If you're listening to this on Friday, when it goes up, we'll begin in a couple days, Sunday, five Oh one Texas time. Um, and we'll see, like Kirk said, it's going to be fun. And I think we both agree. The Mavericks are going to come away with something, you know, it might not be the flashiest move, but I think, uh, 
I think it's going to be a good summer, especially if they kind of got their focus right. So we'll see, Kirk. Thanks for coming on tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to me rant and rave a little bit. Later, folks. Thank you. We will see you probably next week with some free agency updates. But until then, this is the Mavs Moneyball Podcast. And good night. Good night.